don't ever want to be caught without your sword. Amen. Without your, your, your word. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to open with me to uh, a couple of different, actually three different openings to this morning. Uh, first of all, we're going to begin in Mark chapter 5. And then we'll be going, I'm going to be reading Mark chapter 5, Matthew chapter 9, and Matthew chapter 14 for our setting today for this, um, for this message. And uh, I believe that this is something the Lord has laid upon my heart today. And um, I believe God wants to do something special in your, in your life today. If you just open your heart up to, uh, to hear and to receive the Word of God, uh, the Word of God will change your life. Do you believe that? Well, two people do. Amen. That's awesome. Praise God. All right. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 27 and 28. I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read this morning. Now, now, I know we preached. I preached two, was it two weeks ago on uh, this particular lady in the Bible that had the issue of that had the issue of blood was healed of the issue of blood. We preached that Sunday morning about how to talk to yourself. Remember that how she said to herself. And so, you know, I was planning on moving on to Mark chapter six, but the Holy Spirit just got a hold of me about something else here in this text. Never preached on this particular thought from this text before. So. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to preach per se about this particular woman or this incident again, but I am going to pull something else out of there, out of this story to, um, to, to be a blessing to us today. So in Mark chapter 5, 27, it says, And when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And then if you want to flip backwards to Matthew's gospel, the same account that is given um, of the healing of this woman in Matthew's gospel chapter is in chapter number 9 and verse number 20. Um, chapter 9 of Matthew and verse number 20. And Matthew uh, says it this way. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him, and notice this, and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may, be, if I may but touch his garment, I shall behold. She touched the hem of his garment. And then in the 14th chapter of Matthew, Verse number 36, Matthew chapter 14, and it's the last verse in the 14th chapter of Matthew. Uh, let's read verse 35 as well, the last two verses. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched 
were made perfectly whole. Oh, praise God. Praise God. They besought him that they may only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. And I want to talk to you this morning on that thought, on that subject, the hem of his garment. Father, we ask you to help us today to minister your word, to share with your, with your church today, with your people, that which you have laid upon my heart, that which you have given me this week to give to them. I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit today to help me to teach, to preach, to minister your word. And Lord, to open the hearts of these, your people today, to receive the word. We're just believing you for great things to take place, Father, in this altar service this morning. And we ask it all in the mighty, mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody that believes that says amen and amen. In these verses that I've read to you this morning, we see people being healed by touching what the Bible refers to as the hem of Jesus' garment. And when we think of that word hem, H-E-M, the hem of His garment, we think of that hem as being the very bottom portion of the robe that was nearest to the ground. When you think of a hem in your pants or a hem in your skirt, I think we all know, and I am not a seamstress, just ask my wife, but I think we all know what, that, what we think of as a hem. But that's not exactly what this was referring to. When we think of the hem, we think of it being that very bottom portion of that robe nearest the ground, and we picture this woman that had the issue of blood is coming through the crowd, and I've actually even preached it this way before. I think all preachers have. But we picture this woman coming through the crowd and stooping down and just getting as low as she can get to touch, to touch the bottom, the very bottom of the Lord's robe. And that's kind of the picture we have when we read this. But the word him in this passage, in these passages, doesn't mean the same thing as it does to us today because the word him means the fringe or a tassel or a border of a garment. And we get a better picture of what this hem of the garment was when we look into the Old Testament, into the book of Numbers. And in the 15th chapter of the book of Numbers, and I'm going to, I think I gave them that to put up there, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture as well to give us today an idea of what this hem of the garment of Jesus was. In, in Numbers chapter 15 and verse 37, it says that the Lord spake to Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments. Now that word fringes in the New King James is translated tassels, and that's what it is. I like the word fringes there because I, I think about how that the friend, that we got some fringe benefits with the Lord. But that you would make fringes, that they would make fringes in the, gar, in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the border a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you. Now notice verse 39. 
And it shall be unto you for a fringe or a tassel that you may look upon it and notice and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you seek not after your own heart or your own eyes after which you used to go a-whoring that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So when you look here at this 15th chapter of Numbers, in verse number 38, the Bible says that God, 37, 38, God told Moses to have the people to make fringes or tassels in the borders of their garment. And that word fringe literally is a tassel and means the same thing as the hem. So when the New Testament talks about or other portions of Scripture talk about the hem of the garment, it also, Luke refers to it in that same story of the woman with the issue of blood. Luke refers to it as she touched the border of his garment. So the border, the hem, the tassel, a fringe or a tassel, all means the same thing. So they were to put these tassels on the border of their garment. Now, in Old Testament times, the men's robes at this particular time when Moses was given this to give to the people of Israel, the robes uh, that were worn by the men were rectangular and they were draped over their head and they, those rectangular robes that they wore had four corners on them. And so they were to attach a tassel to each one of those four corners. That's what the Lord gave to Moses to give to the people. But over the years, the clothing styles begin to change a little bit just as they do today. They, they change somewhat. And as those clothing styles begin to change, those robes that they wore were not as rectangular along the bottom, but they became more rounded at the bottom, so they didn't have four corners for them to put tassels on each corner. So the Israelites developed something called the tallit. Has anybody ever heard of the tallit? Does everybody know what a tallit is? Amen. And uh, they developed something that was called the tallit, or which is what we know of as a Jewish prayer shawl. You're probably familiar with that. Now the prayer shawl has on it four corners. And on those four corners, someone, someone sent me this a number of years ago, and I had had, had it put up and uh, never got it out. I don't, listen, I don't get it out and wrap myself in it and pray in it. I don't think you have to do that. Amen. But I'm using this for an illustration today because I want you to get the picture of what is happening here with this little lady and uh, the hem of the garment. But this prayer shawl, this tallit, as you can see, has four corners. And on each one of those corners, there is a tassel that is hanging down. The only difference in this one, and I don't know where this one came from, but Moses commanded that there be a ribbon of blue that was put in the center of all these other strings. This one doesn't have the ribbon of blue. I, I thought I should have got me a blue magic marker 
and uh, or blue Sharpie and made a ribbon of blue in there because it's just it, that ribbon of blue has some some, uh, some significance because it it stands for and represents uh, heaven and uh, the heavenly things of God. But I want you to get a picture of that. Those are the tassels that hang from the tallit. And all through the Old Testament, the tallit is found. I mean, when you read in 1 Samuel chapter 24, we talk about, we was talking about David being in the cave on Wednesday night, how to behave in a cave. And uh, when David was in the cave, you remember he was hiding in the cave and Saul came in, not knowing David was there. And it said that in the night, David got up and went and, and, and he cut off, he cut off the skirt of Saul's robe, the Bible said, the skirt of Saul's robe. Well, that word skirt is the same word as border. So he actually cut off a tassel off of the tallit or off of the sh prayer shawl or the tallit of Saul. He cut off one of those tassels to show him, hey, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And so that was what that, was what that referred to. Actually, the new King James said that David cut off one of the corners of Saul's robe. So it refers to that tassel. This probably, the tallit, was probably what the uh, prophet Elijah had as his prophet's mantle that was left behind for Elisha to take up, which he smote the waters of the river with and, uh, and caused them to part just as Elijah had done. So no doubt uh, all Orthodox Jews, all Orthodox Jews, um, wore the tallit. And so we can be pretty assured then that Jesus, as well as being an Orthodox Jew and keeping all the law and all the commandments, that Jesus wore a prayer, a Jewish prayer shawl. Are you with me this morning? Now there was something special about the hem of that garment. There was something special about, and I, and I wish I had time, I don't have time to go through all of what that meant to the Israelites, but in each one of those, in each one of those tassels, there are five knots tied with different windings, different numbers of windings in between those. And um, each one of those knots, those five knots, each knot represents a book of the Torah. It represents the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. As we saw there from Numbers 15, that it does represent, it was to remind them of the Word of God, of the law of God. And so it was something very special. This hymn of this garment was a reminder. It was to remind them of the things, some, some important things about the Lord. And so I believe, you know, we, you know, the reason God gave them that as a reminder is because that they, like us, had a tendency to be forgetful sometimes. And I know that I'm the only one here today probably that ever forgets anything and uh, <laughs> amen but it seems like it seems like I'm being getting a little more forgetful as time goes on I don't know what the deal is there but we do all of us have a tendency to forget sometimes so God gave them the tallit or gave them this this um, robe and these tassels to remind them of their some things about their life with the Lord and so we we need also to be 
remember, we need to remember. We, we, well, there are some things that we must never forget. I read to you this morning in opening this service from Psalm 103 how he said, forget not all of the benefits of the Lord. And so we see from from this 15th chapter of Numbers that there were some things that they were to remember. This hem of the garment, these tassels that hung down, this border, these fringes that they made to put on this to lead upon the border of their garment was to be a reminder to them that they were in relationship with Almighty God. In that 40th verse of Numbers 15, it says, it says that you may, may remember and do all the commandments and be holy unto the Lord. So it was a reminder of them, a constant reminder that they were a heavenly people. And that's why I hate it that the blue thread, the ribbon of blue is missing from that one because blue was the color of heaven and the blue was to remind them uh, that they were were a heavenly people, that there was something different and that there was something different about them. They were to remember, listen, that God had purchased them to himself and that they were a, the Jewish race, the Jewish nation, that they were a peculiar and a special treasure to God above all the people on the earth. And he told them that in Exodus chapter 19 that he had chosen them to be a special treasure. A, the King James says a peculiar treasure. That doesn't mean they were weird or strange, but can I tell you, the Bible calls us a peculiar people, and that means that we're a special treasure to the Lord. That doesn't mean we're to be goofy or stupid or anything like that or be weird, but in the eyes of the Lord we are, amen. We are a peculiar group of people when, when the Lord saves you and brings you into relationship with Him. And that was the thing that this was to remind them of, that they were a special treasure to God. They were a different race of people, different than any of the other races on the earth. And they were to remember that they were called out by God. As He told them in, in Exodus 19.15 or 19.5, that they were called out by God to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation before him. They were separated unto God. They were not like the heathen nations that were around them. And that tasseled Hebrew as he wore the, the tallit was a marked individual. He was a marked man in the eyes of others and he was also a marked man in his very own eyes because he could no longer pass himself off as one of the heathen because he now wore the colors of the Lord. He was separated. He was identified with heaven. He stood in a special relationship with Almighty God that the rest of the world did not enjoy or know anything about. I'm about to get happy up here today. See that outward tassel that 
that hung down from there said that they belonged to the Lord and that God had set them apart unto himself and that there was no other group of people on the face of the earth that was like the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. They had a high and a heavenly calling and they were to be separated and they were to be holy unto the Lord. And can I tell you something this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I today need that same reminder this morning. Are you listening to me? We need that same reminder this morning. Your faith and my faith needs to reach out today and touch the hem of the Master's garment today and realize that we are a different group of people. Hallelujah. Why? Because we have been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and He has brought us into a relationship with Himself. Hallelujah. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. He said, for you are bought with a price. Told that church, that Corinthian, those Corinthian believers, he said, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God. How? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I love that because our spirits have been made anew. And we glorify God in our spirit. But what's in your spirit is going to show up on the outside. Amen. You can't just be saved on the inside and live like hell on the outside. When you're saved on the inside, you're going to have a change on the outside. Is that, is that right? Hallelujah. You've been bought with a price. We have been bought with a price. We have been, what is the price that was paid for us? We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. We've been bought and paid for and redeemed from the hand of the enemy by the blood of Jesus. And Peter said in his epistle, the first epistle of Peter, he said the same thing about the believer, about the church, as God said about Israel in Exodus. Peter said, for you are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. You are a kingdom of priests unto the Lord. Isn't that right? So we've been called out and, and we have as born again believers a special relationship today with the heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. We are saved. We are in right relationship with God through the faith that we've exhibited and expressed in Jesus Christ. Amen. See, listen, here's the thing about, about the relationship that we have with, with our Heavenly Father, and that is this. We've been bought with that price. We've been purchased by the Lord. We are a purchased people. That ribbon of blue signifies we are now a heavenly people with a heavenly calling and praise God we're just strangers and we're pilgrims in this old world come on amen I'm an alien here are you with me so I said do you believe there are aliens yeah we're you're looking at a church full of them this world isn't our home we're citizens of another place we're citizens of another land we're citizens of a heavenly country and we are sons and daughters of almighty God you know what that means if I've been bought by the blood of Jesus that means that the devil does not own me anymore 
power, that I am no longer a child of Satan, that I am no longer under the sway and the power of this sin-cursed world. I have been bought with a price. I'm reaching out my hand today to remember and touch the hem of Jesus' garment and remember that I am a child of Almighty God. Give the Lord a praise. Woo! Amen. Hallelujah. We as believers should live that holy life because we have been instantly set apart from the world and from the un unredeemed. And I know we're not supposed to refer anymore to sinners as sinners or as unsaved. One guy said we're supposed to call them pre-Christians. That is the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> Amen. We don't we don't feel that we're we're better than anybody else. I know we want to, you know, they want us to refer to the unsaved as being unchurched, and they are unchurched. But there's a lot of unsaved that are churched. But still, just because you're churched don't mean you're saved. There's a lot of churches that are full of a lot of unsaved people today. Amen? But there is a distinction and there is a difference between somebody who is saved and somebody who is unsaved. Jesus told that group uh, of Pharisees, you know, they said, well, hey, Abraham's our father. And Jesus, they thought they had a claim to Abraham. And Jesus told them, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Now, I know people say that, well, we're all, we're all brothers and sisters and God's everybody's father. And that's not the truth. That's not the case. The only ones that can claim relationship with God and God is being their father are those that have come to Calvary and those that have been washed in the blood of Jesus and those that have been born again by the Spirit of God. Come on, amen? Then you're brought into right relationship. We sang about it this morning about how His blood justifies us. His grace justifies us and makes us righteous and brings us into the family of God. No, we're no better. We're not better. We don't look down on people as being superior to anybody but listen to me church we are definitely different we are a special treasure to God a peculiar people and we need to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus today and realize our relationship with God through his blood amen Hallelujah. So it's a reminder that we have a relationship with the Lord, but it's also a reminder that we have... Here's where I'm going to lose some. It's also a reminder that we have responsibilities to the Lord. That didn't preach much today. But we have responsibilities to the Lord. Look what he said there in, in that 15th chapter of Numbers. Verse 39 and you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. You can't even follow your own heart. you got to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that you may remember and do my commandments and be holy for your God. See, listen, this, this Jewish man that had this, that had this tallit, that wore this, this robe with those tassels, on each corner, on every corner, each way, any way he turned, 
He saw those tassels and he was reminded, he was reminded because of those tassels on those four corners, he was reminded of his duty, of their duty and their responsibility to obey the commandments of God and to conform to the ways and to the will of God. That was their reminder. As I said, those knots, those five knots re, re, uh, represented the Torah. It represented those first five books of Moses. It represented those commandments. And every time they looked and saw every direction they went, that was a constant reminder to them that they had a responsibility to obey the word of the Lord. It seems like that the church today has gotten away from that idea of thinking that there's any responsibility that we have to be obedient to the commandments. Now let me say something to you this morning. You are not justified or saved by keeping the law or keeping the commandments. Can I get an amen? Is that right? You are not made righteous by keeping a set of laws or commandments. You are saved and justified and made righteous by your faith in Jesus and in the finished work of the cross. When you placed your faith in Him, you got born again, you got saved. But your responsibility is still, there is, listen, there is still a moral law of God and there is still a responsibility that you and I have to be obedient to our Heavenly Father and to keep His Word and to do His commandments. See, keeping the commandments does not save you, but keeping the commandments does show that you have been saved. Is anybody hearing me today? It does show that something has taken place because, listen, the keeping of the commandments of God, and somebody said, well, that was all in the Old Testament. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, yes, yes, that's good. You will keep my commandments. So keeping the word and being a doer, James talked about being a doer of the word. James said in his little five-chapter epistle, James said that if we say we have faith, but we do not exhibit any works of righteousness, then our faith is in vain. John said in his little epistle, 1 John, that if anyone claims to know Jesus and does not keep his commandments, that person is a liar and the truth is not in them. Is that okay to preach that today? Because there's a change. Listen, when Jesus comes into your heart and you have a, a relationship now with the Father, then there's a responsibility that all of us have to learn the Word of God, to know the Word of God, to do the Word of God. Not just be a forgetful hearer of the Word. There's a lot of people that are hearing the Word today, but not a lot of them that are being doers of the Word today. God wants you and I to take that responsibility and understand that he wants us to be a different group of people and to keep the word of God and the commandments of the Lord. See, it doesn't matter what the world says or which direction the world is going to go because already we see in the world today that, that we're living in a day where evil is called good 
and good is called evil. The world calls us evil and they call us bigots and they call us haters and they call us all these other things. They're calling good evil. Then they turn around and call evil good. I mean, that's the day we're living in. But we have got to understand that as believers today, there is that responsibility to live right and to walk right and to be a godly, holy, upright men and women of the Lord. Amen. We must be reminded of that that no matter which direction or which way this world may go, that God's going to have a church. God's going to have an ecclesia. God's going to have a called out group of people that will say no to sin, that will come out from the world, and that will be a separated people and touch not the unclean thing. Amen. Amen. Is that all right? See, if there's no change in our lifestyle, then and no desire to live right, no desire to live for God, that's a good sign that there's not been a new birth. And so many today, so many in the church today, think that just because they've come forward or just repeated a prayer after a preacher or have joined a church or maybe have been baptized or sprinkled or whatever the case or because they attend church occasionally so it's something they can mark off their list that I've got that done for the week. I mean, they have the idea that because they do some of these good things that then they're free to live any way they want to the rest of the week. But can I tell you, that is not what the Word of God teaches. God desires and God expects His people to be the real deal. Oh, come on, somebody. Inside and outside. God wants a church that will be that holy nation, that special, peculiar people, and that will shine as a light in a darkened world that will shine bright for Jesus and be the salt and the light that we're supposed to be. Amen? Praise God. Man, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to hurry because I, the best is yet to come, I feel like. So it reminds us. It reminded them of their relationship and it reminded them of their responsibilities. I think that's what that little lady was thinking when she said, if I can just get a hold of one of those tassels, because I've got a relationship with my heavenly Father. That represents the Word of God and the promise of God that my Father and the covenant that He's made to me. And that's why if I can get a hold of that tassel, that fringe, that hem of His garment, whew, that's where her faith was in. And that Jesus was fulfilling that. So it was a relationship and it was responsibilities, but it was also, it signified their redemption. Are you with me? It signified and was a reminder to them of their redemption. In verse 41 of that 15th chapter of Numbers, he said, I am the Lord your God, listen, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. What did he do? He brought them out of Egypt. See, the tassel was there 
to remind them that they had been purchased and redeemed and delivered by the blood of a thousand lambs in the land from the land of Egypt. Amen? I don't have to preach that story because you all know that story, don't you? For 430 years, Israel's in, in slavery and in bondage to Egypt and ten, ten plagues, nine ten plagues came by the hand of God, and they were still, Pharaoh refused to let them go. But oh, when God instituted, when the Lord instituted the Passover and told them to gather together and every family, every home to take a lamb and to slay that lamb, to kill it at sundown and to, ble and to bleed, to take the blood and put it in a basin and put the blood over the doorposts and the lentils of that house and get in that house and roast that lamb and eat that roast lamb. He said, when the death angel comes through the land at midnight when I see the blood. Every house where I see the blood I will pass over you. Hallelujah! And through the blood of that lamb that had been applied to their house, praise God they were delivered that next morning. That next morning after the application of the blood of the lamb, these Israelites marched out of Egyptian bondage, marched into the wilderness, marched across the red See, praise God. That was a reminder to them. That tassel was a reminder that I am the God. Never forget it. Never forget it. I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the land of bondage. Oh, hallelujah. They'd been released from slavery and bondage and they were never to forget what the Lord had done for them. God had been faithful to them. God had led them. God had fed them. God had blessed them. God had brought them out. Deuteronomy 6.23 says that God brought them out to bring them in. He brought them out of bondage to bring them into the promised land. He brought, he brought them out. The Bible says in Psalm 107, or 105.37 that when God brought them out he brought them out with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. When God delivered them from the hand of the enemy he brought them out healed he brought them out blessed he brought them out provided for come on he led them all through that wilderness wanderings and took care of them and kept his hand upon them. The tassel spoke of what he was to them. He was their deliverer. Yes. Yes. At the waters of Mara, he healed them all, and gave them the covenant of healing that said that he was Jehovah Rapha, yes. the Lord that heals thee. So we are never to forget the price that was paid for our redemption. We are never to forget. Brother Rick, why are you always bringing up and mentioning the cross? We get it. We understand it. We know what it's all about. But we, can, we must always be reminded that we never forget what Jesus has done for us because that devil will come and he'll say, oh, you, you're not free from that sin. You're not free from that habit. You're not freed from that bondage. But oh, listen to me. You've got to reach out and touch the hem of his garment by faith and say, hallelujah, he has brought me out of bondage. 
I'm not a slave to Satan or to sin anymore. Can I get an amen? We've got to remember always that finished work of Jesus Christ and what he's done and what he's paid for at the cross of Calvary and reach out and touch that garment today to receive the benefits that he has provided for you. Let me tell you, we, got, we cannot forget all his benefits. What was it I read to you this morning? Who for what, what, what are some of them? He forgives all of your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and with tender mercies and renews you. This, this, is, this is the one I like the older I get. He renews your youth like the eagles. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. They're benefits. But we cannot forget those benefits that come to us through the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that's what that tassel, that hymn, meant to that little woman, that issue of blood. I've got a covenant with Jehovah. I reminded her of how God brought them out of Egypt. And if God had brought them out of Egypt, surely God could bring her out of her disease, her sickness. That little woman knew something. She knew when she looked, and I'm closing. I'm coming in for a landing. When she saw that tassel. She said, if I can just get a hold of that tassel. It reminded her of something else. It reminded her that there was healing in his wings. Now listen to me. This is where I don't know if this will bless you or not, but when I studied this, it blessed the socks off me. Because when she came and touched the tassels of the garment of Jesus, she was not just touching a prayer shawl. This prayer shawl means, means nothing as far as my being close to God or getting close to God. You understand that, don't you? It's what it was representing here and what it represented to her. But it meant, it meant much, much more than her just touching a prayer shawl. Because the Hebrew word, now listen to me, the Hebrew word for border or corner, the border of his garment, the corner of his garment, that Hebrew word is kanaf. And it's the very same word. That word kanaf is is translated border, corner, but it's also translated 74 times in the Old Testament. It's translated wings. Some 15 times or 14 times it's translated, kanaf is translated skirt. I told you how that David cut off the corner of Saul's skirt. So the word kanaf is translated wings and it's translated skirt and it's translated border a number of times. And when you think about that, and somebody would say, well, Brother Rick, what, what significance or what's the relevance of that to what you're talking about or to this woman that got a hold of that, that, got a hold of that tassel? What's the significance of that? 
Well, when you read the Bible, especially the book of Ruth in the, in the third chapter of Ruth, you remember when Ruth was trying to get Boaz. Oh, hallelujah, I feel it something already. When, when Ruth was trying to get Boaz to, to, to redeem her, to be her kinsman, he was the nearest of kin, and to marry her and to, to, to give her her stuff back and to be her kinsman redeemer. And how she went in and she lay at night. She went in under, under Naomi's direction and lay at the feet of Boaz at night. It was, and brother, brother John Richardson preached about that, how it was totally innocent. There was nothing vulgar there at all. And she went in and laid at the feet of Boaz. And Boaz woke up in the night and he noticed there was something there his feet and he, he, he looked and he noticed there was a woman, there was Ruth lying there at his feet and, and when, when he woke her up, remember what Ruth said she said to Boaz in the King James it says she said spread your skirt, oh glory to God spread your skirt over your handmaiden, amen, spread your skirt over your handmaiden in the, key, in the new King James it said take your handmaiden under your wing. Hallelujah. See, this was a symbol of, of taking that skirt or that tallit. That was his skirt. That was his, the hem of his garment. That was the border of his garment. It was, the, it, was, it was the symbol when she asked that he spread his skirt over her. That was the symbol of taking her under his protection. And even in the Jewish weddings, the man would take his skirt or his tallit and he would take it and he would he would he would throw it over his wife at that marriage ceremony and she would take that tallit of his with those tassels and she would put it over her head what was it representing I have come into relationship with you and I have come under your protection you have covered me with your wings with your protection and that's what Ruth was inviting Boaz to do, was to cover me with your, with your wings. Cover me with your skirt. Hallelujah. In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. Get, God, I hope you brought your shouting shoes. Because in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2, in the last chapter of the Old Testament, one of the last prophecies of the Old Testament, and there was a silence after this for some 400 years. But he said and made this promise, Malachi, 4.2 said, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Come on, somebody. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. See, this was much more. This was so much more than touching a tassel on a prayer shawl. What this little lady was doing was she was embracing the promise of Malachi 4 and 2. She was looking for healing in his wings. She was looking for healing in his hem. She was looking for healing in the border of his garment because she believed. Here's what she believed. She believed that Jesus was who he claimed to be and she saw him as the Messiah, the Son of Righteousness and she knew that if he was who he said he was, there was healing in his wings for Malachi had prophesied of him. Yeah. Woo, hallelujah. hallelujah. She knew. Yeah. 
was healing in his wings. And just like Ruth, she was asking the heavenly, her heavenly Boaz to spread his skirt over her, to spread his wings over her. Hallelujah. You know what she was doing here? Do you realize it was more than just, just faith in a, in a prayer shawl? That, that's not going to do anything. But it was faith in what it represented. And she was claiming her right as a daughter of Abraham. Are you hearing me? She was claiming the promises of the Word of Almighty God. She was claiming her covenant that she had with the Lord. And she was doing the very same thing that the psalmist said to do in Psalm 91 where he says that he would cover us with his feathers and under his wings we will trust. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, there's healing in his wings when we understand who he is, what he's done, and we touch the hem of his garment. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Worship team, come on back, please. Oh, man. I hope that I got this across. Let me tell you something, church. This little woman was not looking to a prayer shawl. But she was looking to her Messiah. And she was trusting Him to deliver her. And she is coming under the saving, healing, delivering wing and border of the hem of His garment. And it was not the prayer shawl that made her whole. The Bible said it was her. Jesus himself said it was her faith. Her faith. He said, daughter, when she told him all that story, he said, daughter, you you go in comfort. You go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. What was her faith in? Her faith was in what that represented. That tassel, that hymn represented her having covenant rights to Jehovah God as her healer, as her deliverer, as a daughter of Abraham. Remember what Jesus said to that woman that was bowed together for 18 years? He said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham be loosed from her infirmity? In other words, Jesus was saying she's got a right to be healed. She She's got a right to be loosed because she has a covenant and a covenant God and a a daughter of Abraham. Let me tell you something. You've got a covenant today through Jesus Christ. It's called the new covenant. And can I tell you today that there's still healing in his wings and there's still victory in his wings and there's still deliverance in his wings and there's still joy in his wings. Hallelujah! I'm telling you, you don't need a prayer shawl because you've got the Lord Jesus. You've got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you, bringing into reality the covenant of God in your life. If you will only believe that, to believe what He has done for you, for your life. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands to